Hey, it is truly a blessing to be back on the hill. Uh, you guys are just a beautiful bunch, and uh, the Lord is here, and his presence is so, so sweet. It was good to have Matt Slisha with us just Sunday, uh, preaching at our church, and uh, we're so blessed. Uh, he talked about the great collaboration, our take on uh, the Great Commission, and uh, it was really good to have him and his family with us. So grateful. Of course, many, many memories here. I'll share a couple of them with you, but uh, I'm tr- I was thinking back, uh, Linda, you would remember this. We, we had the newsboys here, if you could believe this or not, in this room. This is before, they, before their prices went up too much. We had, <laughs> they charged 3500 We figured, how in the world are we going to pay for that? And, uh, and they came, and they were right up here, and, uh, and this guy had this drum cage that flipped upside down and did this and that. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you never know what the Lord might do uh, right here in your midst, and it's pretty cool. Hey, great to have worship today. Uh, we appreciate Lydia. Uh, leading, we see Lydia at church, and uh, Toby on the drums there, didn't know you played those, brother, good, Makai also, we see him down with us, so, uh, and good to see some different friends and children of friends that we know, Um, what a blessing, Uh, that's great, by the way, I did not make the dean's list or the president's list for any academic reasons, there's hope for you if that's the case, Um, at least maybe by the end of today, you'll see if there's hope for you, I don't know, but, uh, Anyway, I wanted to talk to you today, first of all, thanks to Dr. Antonelli, who I I know isn't with us today, but thanks for inviting me to come and speak. I really appreciate that. It's a blessing. And um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, first of all, how I came to Elam, but how the Lord used Elam in my life, a few things that he did. First of all, my story pre-Christ. Before I came to the Lord, which is like seventh, eighth grade in specifics, there was a day in eighth grade, I was really living very much for myself. I grew up in a Christian home. I had really good parents. Dad is Baptist. Mom was Catholic. As you can imagine, there were some tensions there. But, um, but the Lord had his hand upon us, and people were praying for me. Um, and in, during those days, uh, I was just constantly getting into trouble and doing things I shouldn't, uh, very bad with, with uh, people at school and other things. Uh, I, liked, I had fun getting in trouble. That was the problem. I was one of those kids. Um, and, but God can work in those people's lives, as he has. Many of the people that have come here, young men, uh, they were getting in trouble. Getting, and then, then, then you find out the people that God is using out there, they were the ones that were getting in trouble here. And, and what happens is when God gets a hold of your life, you, he begins to channel that uh, misguided energy into a, something that's very constructive and useful for him. And uh, that's what he began to do. So um, totally living for myself to please, you know, the carnal man, as if it were, hurting other people all along the way. And then a 180, a complete 180 happened when the Lord came into my life. Uh, And it wasn't a specific thing that I said a prayer, but I had a conversation with somebody uh, that just changed my life. And the person said, hey, if you want to serve the Lord, because I was at a Christian school where they would set up in a room like this every day, they'd set up the worship equipment. So some of the kids in the class did that, and I said, okay, I want to do that. And the lady who did that, she was the fourth grade teacher, and she said, listen, if you want to do this for the Lord, you cannot live like you've been living and live for yourself or the world or other things. And she, she basically began to explain to me, you have to be holy unto God. Now, the cool thing was God was already doing things in my life that when she said this, I mean, I'm talking about a two-minute conversation. When I look back over my life, it was the most pivotal conversation I ever had with somebody. And from that moment on, it was like my whole life began to change, and people could see it from the other side. Then, uh, continuing at that school and eventually at another school where I met my wife, Linda, um, I began to grow and seek God and hunger for him. I was, uh, went to a church where I was learning the word of God. Back in the days when Sunday church was three hours long, 
I'd come back on Wednesday night. Uh, worship was an hour, you know, easily an hour. The offering, I think, was another hour. And then, and then the message was easily an hour, you know. Uh, but it was, it was good times, and the Lord is working. And, and then the Lord drew me to Elam. And um, Linda was already here, in fact. Um, and she had graduated a year before me, and then she was here for two years. Uh, and, and I was, you know, I'm just not going to follow my girlfriend to Elam. We're from Long Island. Um, I'm just, what is, what is God saying? So then I wanted, I came to pick her up from uh, graduation, which was in the springtime, sat up in the balcony, very precious moments uh, even back then. <laughs> you get emotional because you, you, in the moment, as you know, coming to a place like this is like just, wow, God is just at work in us. But he led me in a process of about February to probably through May of that time. And Linda, of course, is praying very hard with her friend, uh, who she met here, uh, and that the Lord would lead me, because she knew God had more for me, but I didn't totally get, you know, what was going on. So um, anyway, then the Lord began to draw me, and when he does, you know, you, you, you say yes, eventually. And, and it's important to make, Lord, make your will my desire. And I came to that place in my own life, as many have, and I don't know what your testimony is these days, but back in my day, nobody came to Elam because they wanted to come to Elam. It was like, you, the last thing you wanted to do was come to Elam, and, and the Lord's just kind of led you, as he did in my life, circumstantially and through different things. My wife would pray a holy frustration into my life. Uh, I was, and, and that's what God did. He, he really did that. Um, I was thinking of uh, an arrow this morning, uh, like you would shoot with a bow, right? And that arrow has the, the three main parts there, the shaft, and then it has the tip of the arrow, if it's pointing this way, and then it has the fletching. And I was thinking, if my life was like an arrow, as yours would be, uh, what are the things that the Lord needs to do to, to take what's already there and improve that, right? Uh, sharpen the tip, certainly. The, the, the shaft has to be very straight. The fletching has to uh, be just right to make that fly the way it's intended to. And then the Lord led me to Elam, you see, and then, then God began to do some things in my life. And I want to talk to you today about five specific things that God taught me while I was at Elam. Um, in addition to many others, uh, for instance, he taught me to love the Word of God. I already loved God's Word, but I really, really began to love God's Word while I was at Elam. Um, Elam taught me to, to love uh, different music, particularly hymns, uh, and I began to learn to love the hymns as I was here. Songs I'd hear my grandfather whistling and such, but I, I never really understood their value because it kind of skipped a generation there. Even though my father would have known those songs, the church that we were going to wasn't totally singing some of those. Uh, but, but it taught me to love hymns, um, and in particular, you know, there's classic hymns that are just great. So that was absolutely awesome. And not just to love hymns, but to love to worship uh, through those hymns, and not just singing a song. Some churches you go, and it's like you're, you're going through the motions, and you're just singing the words. It's, it's all uh, about an intellectual thing, but, but it's just like we sang. It's got to go from the head to the heart, Right. And uh, when that happens in worship, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, even if it's just a hymn that you're singing, you see. Um, Elam taught me that. Elam taught me to love people. Uh, we'd go on student ministries as I was talking to um, one gentleman this morning. Where is he? If I could find him. Curly hair, and he does some different things for you. I talked to you right over here. There you are. What's your name again? Ian. Uh, as I was talking to Ian, uh, going out and doing different places, right? We, we did that back in the day, and it was really a wonderful thing to be able to do, to minister to different places. We would go from, from Elam and, and kind of the Elam connection people 
out to Michigan, maybe into New England, down south into the Carolinas, and minister in different places. And in doing so, you get to learn some different things. And it, and it helped me to love a diversity of people, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and of course, now, uh, we, we used to learn phrases like, the ministry is people, right? If you want to serve the Lord, whatever that capacity is, you're going to have to learn to love people, and certainly people who are different. The motto of our church, which is right down the street, by the way, uh, loving Jesus and loving others to Jesus. So it's one thing if we're all the same on the inside, but how do we want to love other people? We have to have a heart for other people to begin with, and uh, that's for sure, so to love people. Well, five things that God taught me at Elam. First thing I want to talk about is this. God used Elam to teach me to love the nations. Now, it is no surprise as you enter this room and you see kind of what's before you here, you know, flags of countries. I was looking at these earlier, and I could tell you a lot of these countries. I can't tell you every country, but I could tell you a lot of what those flags are. We used to have the map. I think before this map, it was another map that had little lights in it. And, um, but, but here, right here, same thing. And then over in the administration building, whatever we call it these days, there was a map that was smaller that had pictures of all people all over the world. Elam people. And what happens is, you, 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 where I grew up on Long Island, um, Long Island, you're in the shadow of New York City. New York City is so big that to, go, to get to anything from Long Island, you have to go through 8.5 million people to get there. So, so you almost forget, like for instance, Philadelphia, a city of 1.5 million people was only two hours away. But to a kid growing up on Long Island, it's like, what's Philadelphia? Like I almost never heard of the city. I mean, no offense to Philadelphia. I used to live close to Philadelphia, and I love Philadelphia. Great, great city. Um, but but I, I, was, I didn't have the privilege of understanding the way the world was connected because I was isolated and insulated because of this big, massive city called New York. Uh, and because of that, uh, when you're from areas like that that are highly urbanized, uh, you are consumed with your own problems. And even churches become consumed with their own problems, and you forget that there's an entire planet that Jesus died for, and, and he commissioned us to preach the gospel to and make disciples of. Uh, even ministries like Samaritan's Purse with Operation Christmas Child find it very difficult. Their presence in New York City is very minimal, very minimal presence because New York is so, just so many of their own issues that they're dealing with that, that it's difficult for people to think outside, uh, you know, what's happening in Africa or India or wherever when, when you walk out of the church and you're tripping over people who are, you know, homeless or needy or whatever. There's just so much need there. Well, when I came, the church that I came from, they were very strong on evangelism, uh, as many churches were, but, but they were weak on seeing the church as the primary institution through which Jesus Christ wanted to reach the world. And Elam changed that in me. Uh, emphasis on, like, missions emphasis weekends and uh, the, the prayer weekends. And I don't know how you do it these days. We used to have something in September right around now few days, we called it weekend of prayer. Uh, that was great. That really was a good time. In the presence of the Lord, I don't know if it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or at least three days. And then uh, in October, the missions, uh, whatever we called it, missions emphasis. Uh, and that was a wonderful time. And God would use these things. And seeing things like the map and the flags and the people, and of course, hearing from different people from other countries who came from different places, he, he began to put in me a love for the world. Uh, people 
became synonymous with places and places became synonymous with people. Stories from missionaries in Europe, Asia, Africa, South America, the Caribbean, the Pacific Islands, the Far East, it made me feel like the ground that they claimed was part of my inheritance. See that? Popular names I heard about during my time at Elam. Uh, some of them were even towards the end of their career or maybe some had passed on, uh, but, but they were significant people. Uh, Art Dodswhite, Bud and Faye Sickler, Ju George and June Lindsay, Paul and Gloria Johansson, of course, who uh, we, we've come to know and love over the years, David and Mary Clark, Eva Butler, uh, Paul and Doris Anderson, Harry and Connie Velikoop, uh, Harry or Connie's father, Jack Shishler, not to be mistaken with Matt Sishler. There's a spelling difference. They're not, they're not related. Um, anyway. But we have an inheritance among the nations, and I began to learn that here at Elam. And I want to see the places their feet have trod. I want to walk the ground they've taken for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see the fruit of their ministry, or can I say it this way, the fruit of their yes. Saying no to self and saying yes to God. God used Elam to teach me to love the nations. Of course, you know the Great Commission. I won't go into that. Number two, Elam taught me to love the greater body of Christ. Elam taught me to love the greater body of Christ. When I came to Elam, I was exposed to the greater body of Christ, like through these things of traveling to different places. And, and I would see all kinds of different things, uh, different types of churches. Some, you, you visit a church, and I've spoken in churches, some not far from here, other ones like when we were in Oneonta, uh, after our time at Elam and before we came back, uh, there was a Presbyterian church in the country, Garrettsville Presbyterian Church. Garrettsville, the room might have been this size, from about me to there, that's the whole thing. They, they had a, a bathroom with a destroylet, you know what I mean? Like you had, you didn't, there was no water going into the toilet. You, you, you literally, it lit, the, it lit stuff on fire. I don't know, I, I'm telling you, it's... My, my sister-in-law was there because my brother-in-law was preaching, and I'm not kidding you, flames were shooting out of the toilet, and her husband's up, up you know, preaching. This is, this is a, a real church. This isn't even too many years ago. <laughs> I don't know if they ever got water in that place. Somehow you washed your hands. You were able to do that, but no running water for that toilet, and it worked just fine. But, but with the Presbyterian thing there, it was up, it was down, it was liturgy, and I had to learn some of that as I was doing it. Uh, later, while I was here, there was a church in Caledonia, the first stone Presbyterian church in Caledonia, 15 minutes down the road. And I spoke there, you know, once a month on Sunday, as I did in Garrettsville. And, and anyway, can you relate with people that are different than you without asking them to fit into your mold? So here, the things that the Lord had done in my life, dad was Baptist, mom was Catholic. Eventually, we went to a church that was uh, Jesus is Lord, was the, the title on the church. This church was very, very, I would say, Pentecostal. Uh, I think a lady came up for prayer, older lady, ah, oh, my neck is hurting. You know, the pastor, in the name of Jesus, she's, she's down for the count. I don't know, is, she, is it the Holy Ghost? Is she paralyzed from the neck down? I don't know what's going on, but, but you know, this kind of thing, all kinds of stuff. I went to one church, literally, I remember this. I eventually went to this church. Whoa, I'm going to fall. Okay, I went to this church, it's the Holy Ghost. No, it's actually, I'm tripping. Um, I went to this one church. My whole family, the room was about the size of this basic box from here to the, to the first back wall, and, and it was facing this way. 
the place was packed. It seemed like 200 people, 100 on that side, 100 here, stage up there, and we are in the front row, because there's no room, all the way to the right. I'm telling you this, every single person in that church was dancing, except my family. I'm, and I'm, I'm like 10 years old, so I'm over here, I'm just, I'm looking around, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And you know, we were very, um, well, we just weren't used to that, you know what I mean? And then I've been in churches, actually, I went to that church later, learned a lot of good things. Uh, not everybody would dance, but, uh, but I did learn to dance and sweat at church. Like church clothes, sweaty y'all, you know what I'm saying, like that song, church clap? That was the church I went to. I mean, it was like, we, we, we knew how to dance and have a good time in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Friday night, forget it, you had to come home and take a shower. Uh, it was good, it was good. But, but beyond that experience, Elam taught me to love others, see, who are maybe, they, they worship without even lifting their hands or almost no emotion. I'm like, boy, that's different, you know? But where might God send you that you can learn to love his people, his precious people? Our church, right down the street, 1953, Baptist Church at the time, they asked Carlton Spencer, your president, Pentecostal Bible College, our church is basically going into extinction. It's 100 years old, and the, and the, and the American Baptist said, just close up the church, sell the building, everybody can go to other places. And they said, no. They said, we, we need, we, we really feel we have to continue. So they called up here, talked to, Elam was brand new in Lima, talked to Carlton Spencer and said, what can you do? Do you have anybody that might be interested in pastoring our church? And a man named Elmer Frank came. Elmer Frank, if you know Margie Grau, that was her father. Well, Elmer, people told Elmer, just start a charismatic church. Why deal with the problems of people trying to get along? How are Baptists and Pentecostals going to get along, you see? But he had a way of, I never met this man, but he had a way of loving people. And it's like I spoke on in our church a couple of weeks ago from Romans 15. Listen to this. Listen to this beautiful prayer. Romans 15, 5 through 7. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Somehow, Elmer clearly knew that. And somehow, by the grace of God, I've learned that through being at Elam. And you will see many things as you continue to grow in the Lord where you will see people that are different, and you can let those differences divide you. But I believe there's a higher way, and that higher way is really to put Christ first and to love people, everybody, even the ones that are different. Thank the Lord for those differences. And you will learn a lot of things from them. So, so just keep that in mind. We had a, okay, well, let me see. I'll skip over that. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah, so now we have a congregation, right? Sometimes I get to look out over them. And, and even though things might be a little different, th th there can be tears in your eyes for the people that God has called you to serve. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's nothing like that. Uh, so, so good. And um, we have 160 kids at our school as well. Kids are coming from all over the place. You know, some kids are Catholic. Some kids are coming from, you know, Wesleyan and but if I was the person that, nope, it has to be this way, it has to be the way I'm familiar with, I would have, God couldn't use me in the culture that he set me in right now. So that's something I learned. 
He taught me to love the nations. He taught me to love people and particularly the greater body of Christ. God also, number three, he used Elam to teach me to listen to the voice of God. He taught me to listen to the voice of God. Now that can happen right here in a service. That can happen in lots of different contexts. It might often happen when you are alone and you're in prayer and you need to hear from him, as I have many times when I was in context where um, I just needed a word from the Lord. I was thinking of, uh, I don't know how they do the, the arrangements here. I know that guys are in this building, or at least some of them are. Uh, I took a walk down there earlier. I hope that was okay. I was just reminiscing, looking through the, I didn't go into your rooms or anything, but I was just, you know, peeking around. <laughs> My very first introduction was in, to camp right here in this room, and I slept down in, uh, it would have been the furthest room that way over there. And then the, uh, the counselor was driving us a little crazy, so we went to another room. He didn't even care. We went to another room, and we had a lot of fun over there. And then we slept back in that room at night, and God was with us here. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and, then, and then later, I didn't actually have this as a dorm, but my dorm, I was in Watson. Uh, anybody in Watson these days? How does that work? Nobody in Watson? Yes? No? Girls. And it was back to girls. Back then, I know, it was boys. And the boys, the, the woman who donated money for that, wanted women to be trained in there. So when, when Paul Johansson came, we corrected that and put the women back in there. But at my time, I was towards the end of the boys in there, and in my room was Watson 3. And I remember laying in bed, uh, praying to the Lord, what's on your heart for us, for Linda and me, Minnie Mouse over there? What, what, is, what is on your heart for us? And I felt like the Lord just said, I want you to be together. So we were dating it for five years at this point. And, uh, and I just came to Elam, and it's like, okay, do, am I going to go three years through this? Like, what's happening? When are we, you know? And when he gave me the word, I want you to be together. Very easy. Okay. Time to get the engagement ring. We were engaged that Christmas. We were married a year later, almost to the day. And it'll be 30 years married next month. Praise God. Hey. But my point is this. When God speaks, we can move forward with confidence. And you have to learn how to hear his voice. Yes, we have the word of God. I love the word of God. This is the primary, hey, Hebrews chapter 1, right? God has many times he's spoken through different ways, through the prophets, but in these latter times he has spoken through Jesus Christ, right? But, and now we have the word of God. But, but we don't serve, it's like 1 Corinthians 12, 2, I believe it is. However you were led to these mute idols, however you were led, you used to serve these things. Psalm, uh, listen to it here from Psalm 135, 15 through 18. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there breath, any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. You and I serve a God who speaks. And his voice is sweet. His voice can be like thunder. It could be a gentle whisper. But we have to be listening to his voice. And you'll find in situations in your life, you'll have to be asking, what is God saying? What is God saying? You're going to graduate and you're going to move on from here. What is God saying? Right? And you find your life has to continually be placed on the altar. This can be personally. It can be professionally. Uh, it could be personal, like I just told the story. That was a very personal professional. You think in different points, I was on the altar. Lord, what is your will for our lives, for my life? And then leading a family and such. 
and God was faithful to lead us and speak and move and show us this is the way, walk ye in it. In fact, the truth of the matter is, nobody says this, but here's, the, here's a little secret to that verse. The voice comes from behind you. What we want is the voice in front of us. This is the way, walk ye in it. No. You hear the voice behind you, meaning you are stepping out in faith. Ah, that was good. That's for life. You take that with you, okay. So Elam taught me to listen to the voice of God. Number four, Elam, God used Elam to help me overcome sin. To overcome sin. Uh, this is very important because people go through Elam and they don't necessarily deal with the things that God wants to free them from. But it's kind of like um, Danuta said it earlier. If you know how much God loves you, you, you can trust him. Why am I withholding this from him? So in struggle with sin, in my case, like many young men, lust. I was struggling with that. And I remember that struggle was very real, but um, it was one point early in the year, I think it was like uh, 95 or 96, and actually when you think about it, if it was 96, I graduated a few months later. Uh, 95, I forget which, but I, I, I needed to go and I confessed to a trusted brother here over in the, the smelly basement of College Hall. It had a smell back then. Does it, do you guys in that room that now? Do you use the basement at all? Okay. It had a smell down there, you know. But, but this brother was down there, and I, and I just said, look, here's the deal. And I just, bleh. One of the most difficult conversations I ever had in my life. But you know what? I had no idea the power of what would happen. Let me read to you something. If you have this one, I want you to go to it. It's a First John, chapter one. First John, chapter one. I'm going to start in verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, this is the God we serve. He goes on, chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And, and, and that simple, difficult, but simple act, the power of sin was broken broken, and, and I began to walk in freedom, and I just, I didn't know it. I mean, you obey God's word, and look what happens, but I, I just didn't get it, but I say that to you because, you know, whatever point you're at in your tenure here, some are obviously freshmen, just arrived, others, uh, this could be your last semester, whatever it be, but, but you must take advantage of the opportunity you have to deal with sin, and to say, Lord, Let's, let's, oh, I have one of these on today. 
cleanse what's going on right here. Cleanse me. Change me. And to see him bring victory in your life. It's so beautiful. It is so awesome. But you got to take advantage of that while you're here. God wants to use every one of us. But in order for us to be used by him, we need to walk in the light, right? Not walk in the darkness. So there's an element of which we have to uncover our own selves in the right context. And wow, look what God did. Jesus said this, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. You know that. If there's no difference between you and the world, well, instead of tasting like salt, you're just like an ordinary rock. There's got to be a difference, and part of that difference is a life of holiness. You're the light of the world. Well, if the light that's in you is darkness, I mean, how great is that darkness? You're going to be in the world. There better be a difference that when people see you, it's like they see God in you. So anyway, I just say this to say, I didn't quite, I understood the struggle, but I didn't quite get the, ah, obey the scriptures. Do the difficult thing now. It'll be worth it, and God will help you. And, and I don't walk in any sense of, oh, yes, I'm all that. Hey, listen, I, you, you keep praying for me. Any one of us are stupid and can fall into stupidity. That's, you know, David fell into stupidity. Well, any one of us can do that. God help me, right? I have to be sober-minded and vigilant. But I will say this. The sweetness of victory is beautiful, and he wants that for you. Oh, he does. Okay. Number five. God used Elam to teach me a life of surrender. A life of surrender. The world around you says, put you first. Put you first. What do you want to do? It's all about you. It's not that way in God's kingdom. It is absolutely not that way. Jesus said this very clear. Luke chapter 9. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Elam is an invitation to the crucified life. You can resist that as much as you would like to, but if you can learn to accept that, it will go well for you. Everybody wants a crown. Nobody wants a cross. I remember seeing, as the Lord yet again helped me with this a few years ago, when I was in the decision time of uh, becoming the lead pastor at our church, right before COVID, God was dealing with me, and I, I was reading a tremendous book by a guy, I forget his name, but he actually dealt with this issue in the disciples, and uh, I happened to be in Honey Eye Falls, and there was a van getting work done on it, and it was in the parking lot, and the van, it was from a church, and it said, no cross, no crown, and it had a little decal of a cross with a crown kind of around it, and, and that, that quote, no cross, no crown. The only way to get the crown is to remove myself from the throne and place him on the throne of my life. And this isn't just a one-time decision. It is a daily decision to make him Lord of all my decisions, of all, what, what is it going to be today? How do I follow in your will today? 
When I die to self, that is when life comes. His life, not mine. His life begins to flow. Jesus said it this way, John 12, 24. Greeks came and they wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, talking about himself, falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You want fruit? Die to yourself. Jesus said in a couple of chapters later, John 15, 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The fruit comes. He gave us the secret. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And we have to follow in his steps. That's the beauty of the thing. What he did for us on the cross, he, he, he made a way that was possible that we can follow in his steps. And the only way that life, his life, will come is through death to self. Amen. Well, we're almost done. I got two different times up there. I'm going to go with the one that's in my favor. <laughs> Can we just uh, take a minute to pray? Father, we love you. My watch is more true to the bottom one anyway. Uh, can we take a minute to pray? Father, right now, we present ourselves to you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these students. You want every one of us to be here hearing your voice. Lord, I thank you and speak the blessing of God upon this place, this ministry and ministries and these people. Lord, I pray whether it's a love for the nations, whether it's a love for people or the greater body of Christ, whether it's to listen to your voice and hear you speak, even if we don't hear anything audibly, whether it's to overcome sin through confession with faith in the cross and the finished work of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, or whether it's to live on the altar in the place of surrender, we invite you to be Lord of our lives. And today, friend, whatever the issue is for you, you just place it on the altar. Place yourself on the altar, whether it's this physical altar, whether it's you make an altar right where you are. Regardless of if you come and encounter God, that's one thing. But this is a lifestyle. This is not just about a moment. It's many moments of saying yes. Many moments of saying yes. So, Father, we commit all these things to you, and we pray that you will give us the grace to follow in your ways, to turn from our own, our own way, to lay it all down and live for you and see the beauty of your life that comes when we do. We ask it in Jesus' name and thank you for it. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.